interrupt this program to bring you a special news bulletin. The Japanese have attacked Pearl Harbor, Hawaii, by air, President Roosevelt has just announced. The attack also was made on all naval and military activities on the principal island of Oahu. We take you now to Washington. The details are not available. They will be in a few minutes. The White House is now giving out a statement. The attack apparently was made on all naval and on naval and military activities on the principal island of Oahu. The president's brief statement was read to reporters by Stephen Early, the president's secretary. A Japanese attack upon Pearl Harbor naturally would mean war. Such an attack would naturally bring a counterattack, and hostilities of this kind would naturally mean that the president would ask Congress for a declaration of war. There is no doubt from the temper of Congress that such a declaration would be granted. This morning, Secretary Hull talked with the secretaries of war and of the Navy. Now the two special Japanese envoys, Admiral Nomura and Special Envoy Caruso, are, are at the State Department engaged in conference with Secretary of State Hull. Their appearance at the State Department on this Sunday afternoon emphasizes the gravity of the Far Eastern situation where hostilities now seem to be actually opening over the whole South Pacific. And just now comes the word from the president's office that a second air attack has been reported on Army and Navy bases in Manila. Thus, we have official announcements from the White House that Japanese airplanes have attacked Pearl Harbor in Hawaii and have now attacked Army and Navy bases in Manila. We return you now to New York and we'll give you later information as it comes along from the White House. Return you now to New York. Well, as is always the case, radio is there. That was the live broadcast as Pearl Harbor was being dis well, discovered by the people on mainland and you know, we play this every single year for a reason. I'll play you various other clips throughout the show for a reason. Uh, and I know that, you know, losing the last of the Band of Brothers uh, this week is is also adding to this. At least the the celebration of Pearl Harbor was able to go forward with some normalcy this year comparative to last year. As I've told everybody before, if you haven't been to Pearl Harbor, you need to make your way there. It is, one, you're in Hawaii. If you've never experienced Hawaii, you have to. It should be on your bucket list. Uh, and if you've not experienced Pearl Harbor, uh, it is an immensely powerful place. I've told the story many times before. You know, when we went, we were on the Arizona. Uh, man collapsed. We didn't realize it at the time. Uh, he was there. And he saw the names of his, his shipmates. And yeah, like I said, you know, we just we thought we were with a normal normal uh you know tourist group. You know, they take you over in the little boats and you go on to the the memorial and and you walk around and you look and they tell you some stuff and things like that and they've got the names there and um it, it was a very powerful experience but it's something obviously that that wasn't you know planned or or expected uh, we were just there for our honeymoon and if you haven't experienced it though I, you you have to and there's very few things in the world that I think that you need that I will certainly tell you need to do that is one go to Hawaii and go to Pearl Harbor while you're there there's a lot to discuss 
we we are still way behind um, as we speak right now. Some people are asking on the live stream what would happen today if a Pearl Harbor happened today. Um, the closest that we've ever experienced that would be 9-11, obviously. But, uh, you know, you need to pay very close attention to this Ukraine situation because unlike your typical saber-rattling stuff, the Ukraine situation has been basically open conflict in Crimea for a number of years now. And the Russians, I think, was 170-some-odd thousand troops now amassed on the border there. And they understand. I've told you the story about how, how Putin basically neutered Joe Biden when he was vice president. I've told you that story a couple of times on this show. Putin knows he's stronger, smarter, more powerful than Joe Biden as a man. Putin knows that he intimidates Joe Biden as a man. Uh, Joe Biden foreign policy-wise, is weak, and everybody knows that. I mean, for crying out loud, the guy hasn't been in the White House for a year, and he's already shown the entire world how weak he really is on foreign policy. So there is a tremendous opportunity for Russia to get Crimea without the United States getting involved. And what is it that the news media has been talking about? And I know that they're saying, oh, all of our options will be on the table. They got Jake Sullivan out there doing this now because you don't want to have Joe Biden trying to talk about this because he doesn't really understand what's going on. I'm sure he's still shaking and he probably wet himself after his conversation with Putin based on their last face-to-face meeting. Well, I shouldn't say the last face-to-face meeting, but the one there where he was vice president. But there is a, there's a very real possibility that Russia makes this move. Now, we have a, a defense treaty with the Ukraine. And there's reasons that we have a defense treaty with the Ukraine. And I know that a lot of people don't want to go to war with Russia over Ukraine. I get that. I, I, can, I can appreciate that position. But we have a treaty with them that if they get attacked by the Russians, then we are supposed to help militarily. And everything that you're getting out of, out of the White House is we'll hit Russia with sanctions. Yeah, we'll sanction them. We'll, we'll do this sanction. We'll do that sanction. It's, yeah, sanction this, sanction that. You think the Russians care about that? The Russians have been under sanctions for how long? They've rebuilt their economy around around all of that. They don't care about any of that. And I got news for you. We increased our reliance on Russian oil back in February. Remember we increased the number of, of barrels of oil that we purchased from Russia at the beginning of Biden's term? Because we shut off our own. So now they've got literally us under a barrel. So this is this this is the type of stuff, you know, when you're conducting foreign policy, and your energy policy is a big part of that. And a weak energy policy leads to weak foreign policy, and it just being unwilling to do what is necessary is always weak foreign policy. You know, the Ukrainians I don't think are under any illusions that we're not going to help them out. You know, we'll, we'll supply them. We might logistically help them and that sort of thing. But I don't, I don't think that they are going to be um, all that surprised if we don't come to their aid. Uh, I've already given you examples of how this thing could easily um, be kind of throttled back, in my opinion. I've heard other, other prominent uh, members of the military, you know, kind of suggest the same thing. I shouldn't say current members, but experienced commanders kind of say the same thing. And none of it's being done. It's literally just, hey, don't you do it. 
don't you we're gonna cost you some money if you do but please don't do it and that's not going to be good enough you know the ukrainians have been fighting this proxy war in crimea since the secession if you will of crimea several years ago you know there's there's an active war front there folks it's not like we're talking about saber rattling with north korea and south korea there's an active war front people are dying there our media doesn't cover it all that much. You've seen me post about it on social media and on my website several times, but it doesn't get covered a whole lot. It's a flashpoint. There's no doubt about it. This is 100% a flashpoint. Russia has to be given an incentive to not take Crimea. They want Crimea. A lot of people in Crimea want to be a part of Russia. Ukraine does not want to let Crimea go. It is their territory. There's a lot of people in Crimea who don't want to go with Russia. You know, this is a this is something that has to be dealt with very delicately, but from a position of strength, and that just is not present. So keep an eye on it. We'll see what ends up happening here. I, they're saying all options are on the table, but they have to say that. I'm not convinced that all options are on the table. Be perfectly honest with you. Russia has to have a reason not to take Crimea. And what reason do they have now? What reason has the Biden administration given them? Probably nothing. And more coming up, News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Kind of have a counterpoint what I said in the first segment on the Russia situation. We'll get to that here in just a minute. To the phone lines we go, 574-25-95-95-3. William, welcome to the program. Good afternoon, Casey. Hey, you started off your broadcast today with uh, the Pearl Harbor case, and then you followed it up with that you were getting questions of something like that took place today, what would happen? And the answer is absolutely nothing would happen. This government would somehow blame it and turn it on ourselves and say we were the cause of it. They would do nothing to stand up and make this country and show this, these people in this world what this country is really made of. Nothing would happen. Biden would put his tail between his legs and go cower. That's exactly what would happen. You know, I think that there's a lot of people out there who probably haven't heard the story of what Putin did to Biden when he was vice president. And, you know, when you hear that story and you, you go through the actual White House archives and the transcripts and they match up with the story that was in the book and you start to get a, a, a people don't come back from that. When somebody emasculates you so much in front of everybody, you don't come back from that. I mean, that person has a, a shadow or a cloud over you for the rest of your life. And it doesn't matter what is in between joe biden and vladimir putin putin knows that he has he has an edge when it comes there and let's take a look at the military commanders that we have right now too i mean i'm not very confident in in them controlling a conflict with with a state power it doesn't make any sense well, they, they, they've shown how well they can do that with afghanistan you know it, it's it's something i'm amazed that that putin did a two-hour call with him today i would think that it would be not a waste of his time i would not find or would think that he would find any value in it whatsoever um again from the previous maculation that he had 
uh, already yeah. done to Joe Biden. It just, there's nobody that's going to stand up in this current administration, um, again, to the Afghanistan. Everybody was pointing the finger at one another, and nobody wanted to take ownership of what they didn't do and what should have been done. And there's still people there. Guaranteed. Thousands. People there. Thousands of people there, yeah. And that's that's the thing. It's not it's not tens. It's not you know twenties. It's not a hundred. It's thousands of people, and some estimates in fourteen thousand. I mean, it's crazy. It's crazy how many people. No, no, there's, are there. only, there's only a hundred or two hundred left. Ask the White House. They'll tell you. Right. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It's it's crazy. Yeah. It's insane stuff. So I mean, you might be right, man. Hey, I appreciate the call. Thank you. All right. Take care. So let me provide a counterpoint for some of the stuff that I said in the first segment because I got some people uh, posting on social media, and I teased this yesterday. Uh, here's the here's here's the counterpoint. Go back to go back to some of the the Trump officials that were were there. Okay, um, General Mattis, right? General Mattis was again. He he's a warfighter. He's not a politician. General Mattis is a warfighter, and this is a guy who was absolutely the right pick for Trump to pick. He was the right one. The problem is. General Mattis wanted war with Russia. That was the problem. And General Mattis would have done anything in his power to make that happen through Syria. Syria never made any tactical sense. A lot of the stuff that we were hearing about Assad using chemical weapons on his own people were not true. They were lies. It was actually ISIS who was using the chemical weapons there. It wasn't Assad. It was propaganda all designed to drum up American support for a conflict against Assad. So we would go in there. Now, who was backing Assad? Well, the Russians were backing Assad. And because Trump didn't buy into it, because of that, that's when he started having problems with General Mattis. General Mattis wanted desperately to go into Syria and, in his words, confront Russia. So he wanted to meet Russia on the battlefield whether there were shots being fired or not, he wanted to be nose-to-nose with him. And if it came to blows, it came to blows. So Mattis is not alone. There's a lot of people who still have that thought mentality about Russia. And they desperately want a conflict with Russia. A lot of those folks spent their entire lives where Russia was the boogeyman. The Soviets were, were you know, the empire of evil and their careers are winding down and they're going to never have an opportunity to really, you know, have that whole scenario that their life was built upon to play out. But the reality of the situation is that Russia is a geopolitical rival, but they're not an enemy. And Obama started souring that relationship. We stopped conducting anti-terrorism operations jointly and in coordination with the Russians. And then everything kind of just slipped right back to where it was uh, in the Cold War. Well, as time has gone on, as time has gone on, you've got you've got a whole bunch of these little monsters, if you will, from the swamp. They're starting to pop up, and they're starting to, to you know whisper that hey, we need to confront Russia, we need to confront Russia, that sort of thing. It's, you start running into well, what if what if Russia being the boogeyman that a lot of these guys have always felt that Russia was, and sometimes obviously justifiably. We're at a point now, how many times have you heard me say that there has to be some external something that happens that is a unifier because this country is so divided? What, what thing 
has unified the, the American people more than Russia. What if, what if they want Putin to launch this attack? What if Biden isn't the weak guy that I talked about in the first segment? What if Biden wants the conflict because it will unite Americans under his presidency against the ancient Russian foe? What if? So you've got two scenarios there in two segments to consider. And hopefully it doesn't come down to that because ultimately conflict with Russia is going to be bad for everybody. MNC News Time is 3.31. It's time to check out Impress Jewelry Creations, creating meaningful jewelry for the moments that will last a lifetime. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. All right. Uh, I want to thank R&B Car Company, locations in South Bend and Warsaw. R&B Car Company are your used car experts. You can find them online at rbcarcompany.com. Very interesting angle out of the Oxford, Michigan school shooting. Officials are saying that the the school like school officials could be charged in the shooting, according to the prosecutor. Oxford High School officials may be charged for ignoring warning signs leading up to the deadly deadly mass shooting allegedly committed by 15-year-old Ethan Crumbly, Oakland County, Michigan, according to the prosecutor Karen McDonald on NBC News. When asked by NBC's Today Show if it is possible school officials could face charges, the prosecutor replied, it's possible, yes. Oh, boy. McDonald has already charged uh, the parents with involuntary manslaughter because they ought to have known that their son was emotionally disturbed and ought to have prevented him from taking a handgun to school. Um, and again, those are going to be very difficult charges to prove, but as we've highlighted, there were signs that everybody was aware of. The parents were aware of, the school was aware of, and it, it appears that nobody really did anything. Speaking of what she deemed as the parents' involvement, McDonald said any individual who had the opportunity to stop this tragedy should have done so. The question is, what did they know and when did they know it? The notion that a parent could read those words and also have access to a deadly weapon that they gave him, it is criminal. And again, she's referring to, um, he drew some things and I guess pictures, he also wrote down some stuff. He basically said that, you know, the voices were telling him to, to kill people. He also said things like, um, the thoughts won't stop, help me. Blood everywhere, my life is useless, and the world is dead. Uh, so, you know, there's things like that. Now, the parents, of course, they'll go in, they'll argue that a lot of teenagers write stuff down like that. It doesn't really mean much. And for most people, that is true. Unfortunately, we've got a situation that escalated here. But the fact that the uh, the school is also a part of this. By the way, the parents claim that they never fled. So the parents are saying that they... they left town for their own safety after their son was arrested, but they were never on the land. They were never running. Their attorney is, has said that that is not true. They turned themselves in when uh, formally charged. So anyway, uh, McDonald indicated that similar levels of negligence for, not, negligence for not noticing red flags from the 15-year-old may result in charges against school administrators. Though McDonald did not elaborate on her comment, it is possible that she will be looking for other warning signs missed or not reported by school officials. And this is this is interesting stuff. Uh, Tim Throne, who is the Oxford Community School Superintendent, 
initiated a third-party investigation into possible red flags from the shooter leading up to the shooting, promising to leave no stone unturned. These and ostensibly other warning signs, this is Breitbart, uh, these and ostensibly other warning signs are the primary rationale for the rare move to bring charges against the parents of the alleged shooter. Similarly, the Michigan Attorney General, Dana Nessel, offered her office's resources to aid an investigation uh, in a tweet responding to the news that Thrones invest about Thrones investigation, the superintendent, but did not specifically point to school administrators. And, you know, this is this is going to be interesting because if this happens now, it hasn't happened yet. But this is just the prosecutor saying, look, you know, when this investigation is done, I'm just going to I'm just going to let you all know it's possible the school administrators here or school officials could be charged, too. If we're going to look at the parents and say parents ignored those signs and therefore this shooting happened, I have to look at the faculty also. If that comes to fruition and the prosecutor files charges, you realize what that means? I mean, that changes the game. So schools consistently don't want mom and dad involved whatsoever. But they do want to blame mom and dad when the student gets bad grades or if the student has a behavioral problem. Then it's mom and dad's fault. Mom and dad shouldn't be involved in, in their child's education any other way. But when those things happen, then the school doesn't want any blame. This could. Now, it could be a positive. Could be a negative. I can see both sides here. But this could force schools to finally take serious situations a lot more seriously. Now, we have a, a massive amount of schools around the country, numerous stories over the years where students are being bullied, schools did not take it seriously, and it escalates. Now, again, there's allegations from other students that this kid was bullied. We don't have any actual confirmation of that. I, I don't have any reason to doubt the other students at this point in time. If other students in the school are saying that the shooter was bullied, there's a good chance the shooter was bullied. Now, if that ends up not being true, okay. But maybe he was bullied because of how he was behaving because there's already something wrong, which just escalated things. Maybe he was the way that he was because he was constantly being harassed for an extended period of time. Uh, I'm assuming that this goes back multiple years and it's not just this year, but I don't know. And no, neither does really anybody else. So as that information kind of comes out, what this could do is it could open the door for prosecution of school officials all over the country who do not heed the warning signs. And that way there's an extra angle of obligation there on school faculty, which oftentimes ignore this stuff. They just do. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes they do. Sometimes they get a little too noisy, uh, not noisy, nosy, excuse me, and inject themselves into harmless stuff. Uh, we've seen that with zero tolerance and all of that other nonsense. So I can see both sides of this. I really can. But this this could be a precedence setter. So keep an eye on this story. Again, the prosecutor's not done it yet, but the prosecutor is basically saying, yeah, I could totally press charges against school officials here once this investigation is done with, and then we'd be able to go ahead and uh, and hit some of the faculty at the school for also ignoring the warning signs and preventing to stop the shooting. We've got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. I've got some good news. 
Josh, it feels like a while since we've given some good news, man. Want some good news, buddy? There's only 120 ships that are waiting to unload their cargo off uh, the uh, the coast of California. So it's at one point apparently it was worse, but you know it's 123 ships now. So <laughs> we're making progress. Uh, <laughs> oh, Buttigieg sucks. Anyway, uh, 123 massive transatlantic ships on Monday were waiting to unload cargo at California, Los Angeles, and Long Beach and uh, Long Beach ports. Excuse me. According to Marine Exchange, 123 cargo ships were waiting to unload goods onto the Southern California docks, which are responsible for 40%, 40% of all shipped containers to the U.S. Of the 123 ships, 62 were container ships, which included 35 anchored or loitering and 27 at berth. So loitering ship that's a term I, I, I'm, not, I'm not very familiar with maritime terms anyway, but loitering ship i didn't know the ships could loiter uh monday's mark remains the in the mid hundreds uh, after 163 ships in november were waiting to unload goods so see we made progress josh see that couple weeks ago it was 163 ships but now it's just 123 <laughs> oh my god uh, 113 los angeles firefighters have been suspended without pay due to the vaccine mandate I'm still waiting to hear the official numbers on uh, the military. Uh, came out, you know, it was Sunday, Sunday evening. I think I mentioned it yesterday on the show. Air Force, like the deadline was Monday, and thousands of people had not gotten the vaccine in the Air Force. Um, so it, it goes back to the, uh, you know, the Ukraine Russia situation we we're just talking about too. That's another factor that we have to consider in all of this. I guess I forgot about that. Uh, all of the. The tier one and tier two operators that will not be put in the field right now is along with the active duty military personnel that are not going to go along with the mandates that will be, you know, uh, separated from the, the service. Uh, so 113 Los Angeles firefighters have been suspended without pay for failing to comply with the city's coronavirus vaccine mandate for employees. And I was just talking to Josh during the commercial breaks. Good thing it's not wildfire season because... I, I can guarantee you we'll get to a point just like we have seen for the past several months. We'll get to a point where there will be news articles about how fire uh, firefighting staffs are short staffed and, and they won't be able to have enough people to fight these these wildfires, which apparently keep getting set by these crazy left wing activists. And yeah, there you go. Uh, you'll just you will have to refer back to this. So you have to remind me. So for those of you who have good memories, please. Please remind me of this when that actually happens in the summertime, because you know it's going to. And so we've had a, a whole host of examples of that happening over the past several uh, several uh, years. So now we've got this. The country that succeeded, air quote, succeeded against COVID with masks now has the highest case rate in the world. We've talked about this before. Many, many times, and this goes back to you know, me, me pointing this out in August of 2020. Everywhere that had a mask mandate, all of the news articles that said this country beat COVID, this country beat COVID, and it was because of masking that did it. Every single one of them had a surge. Every single one of them had a massive outbreak of Delta variant. Every single one. Uh, in May of 2020, The Atlantic published an article lauding Slovakia 
for, at the time, having the lowest per capita COVID death rate in Europe. The article's prediction should now be the laughing stock of the world. Of course, uh, the article in The Atlantic said this Slovakia was uh, had the best COVID death rate in the world because they had such high amounts of mask usage. Well, so did Japan and a bunch of other places. And now they are the worst for case rate in the entire world. Huh. Just a friendly reminder as the news media tries to scaremonger you on Omicron, and we'll get to some updates on that a little bit later on today. Um, Hospitalizations don't matter, and neither do case numbers. All that matters are deaths and ICU visits. That's what matters. We've already explained the hospitalization thing many, many times. More coming up, 95.3 MNC.